happening this week on your favorite soap opera. It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in today to check out the show. If you are a repeat listener, you know that this is usually the point in the show where I say that today we're going to be talking about anything and everything soaps. Well, that's not necessarily the case today. Sure, we're still going to be talking about soaps, but we're not just going to be talking about anything. We're going to be talking about the greatest moments in soap opera history. Coming up in the second half of the show, author Alina Adams will be here to talk about her book, Soap Opera 451, a time capsule of daytime drama's greatest moments. You'll be able to call in and share your choices with us as we talk about our own personal choices and also discuss the moments that made it into her book. See if you agree with the moments that were selected. But up first, it's a guest who's been involved in quite a few memorable moments in her daytime career. Robin Matson is a four-time daytime Emmy nominee who earlier this week stepped back into the role of General Hospital's Heather Weber, and she's already mixing things up. If you aren't a GH viewer, though, you probably recognize her for her work on All My Children, As the World Turns, The Bold and the Beautiful, Days of Our Lives, Guiding Light, Ryan's Hope, and Santa Barbara. She's here today to talk about her amazing soap opera career, and I've been very much looking forward to this show for quite some time. Robin, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hey, Dan. Great to hear your voice. Happy to be I, on the show. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. As I said, this is sort of a uh, a long time in the making. I feel like I've, I've wanted to talk to you uh, for all the 17 years that I've been running SoapCentral.com, so I'm glad that it's finally happened. Well, I'm pleased as punch to be with you on the show today, and I'm glad that we are going to have a chance to catch up. Okay, so let's just get right to it. Selling babies, plotting bombing churches, clobbering people with deadly candy canes, a madam, selling organs on the black market. You've been a busy, busy girl. I know. And, uh, you know, some of my closest friends think it's typecasting. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, there's there's so much to talk about with all of the different roles and all of some of the, the crazy soap moments that have happened. Let's rewind it a little bit and find out, when did you decide that you wanted to be an actress? Was that always a passion of yours, or was that something that sort of popped up along the way? I think growing up in Los Angeles and being surrounded by the entertainment industry certainly had its uh, pull on me. <laughs> it was had an effect uh, because it was, you know, close at hand. And uh, I was involved in a children's theater group mostly for fun and pretend and, you know, play acting. And the people who ran the school recommended that I should uh, get an agent. And my parents felt, hey, this is a great way to pay for our daughter's college education. (laughs) Little they know that in the end... (laughs) The work that I was doing would, would, would take me away from school and uh, completing my college education, which they were both very academic and interested in me getting a higher degree of uh, education. But um, I've, I studied acting and uh, pursued that independently on my own, and uh, I started at six. <laughs> so in college, what was your... Uh, maybe, or your parents, what was the planned goal? I think I, I read that you... I was studying psychology. I was interested Psych- in how people's brains worked and what made them do what they do and why, and that was my first, uh, you know, ambition was to, was to become a psychologist. So do you, have you been able to use any of what you learned in college to sort of get into the minds of some of these characters that you've played? I'm sure it does, you know, it does manifest itself in some ways. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, what you're doing as an actor is exaggerating characters and, uh, characteristics that maybe you find within yourself and taking them to an extreme. And uh, they say that people that have a lot of different sorts of experiences and delve into their deepest inner self, uh, sometimes that can make them a better actor and it makes your emotions more accessible and easier to bring forth for a role. 
for daytime viewers, they got to know you first from Guiding Light, where you played Hope Bauer. What did you know of soap operas at that time before you became part of our daytime community? Almost nothing. I guess occasionally being home, you know, sick from school and turning on the TV, and I I didn't have a, a, a lot of experience uh, in terms of the medium. I, I wasn't terribly familiar with it. Well, I just remember that Morgan Fairchild was on Search for Tomorrow, and she played opposite Michael Nury, and I was my dressing room was in the same vicinity as hers, and I just thought she was glorious and so glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was it was kind of a, a fun beginning, and it was a, a show that was so well established; it had been on radio. Right. Well, obviously, it was there was something about being on Guiding Light that uh, it kept you interested in daytime because it was one of the first of many stops. So, from being on Guiding Light, what was it that you learned about daytime, or what was it that that fascinated you about daytime that has allowed you to continue on and still be with us here? Well, I liked the challenge, and it continues to become more and more demanding. Um, and the shows have changed so much. I mean, at that time. We did everything from live shows, which was pretty terrifying. I can uh, imagine. But also, they were still using prompters, and the, the, the medium has changed so much. I, uh, the compelling thing about it was you get to do something new and different every day, and it's a, you develop a character over a long period of time, which I thought was interesting. But it's certainly more demanding than ever, so it was a great way to learn to be able to manage a lot of material and uh, an exercise in memorization. Hmm. And uh, it seemed like a, a good place to start. <laughs> Although well, I'd done a lot of work before before I did Guiding Light, but it was uh, interesting in that it was so challenging and moved so quickly. Well, I, I, I couldn't even have imagined the pace that it goes at now. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I, I know. I mean, I, I've heard from folks now where they say that, you know, sometimes they do six, seven, eight shows in one week of taping, that there's, there's more smushing together and it, it, everything really seems to be so much faster. I can't imagine what it was like having to, you know, having more time to do things or what it was even like doing the shows live. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is so different. And I remember we used to break up, we did it in real, in real time and we took the commercial breaks, we actually took the commercial breaks, and we did it in order, where now you're doing sometimes two, three shows a day, and it's, it's all out of order. It's, they, of course, go set by set. So if you've got 10 scenes in one set, or 20, uh, you do them all together to stay in that set because it saves a camera move. And it's all about um, saving time and money and uh, getting the shows done qu more quickly. And mm -hmm. Frank Valentini, our executive producer, is on the floor, very hands-on, and he secures and controls the quality of the shows. So he's trying to make certain that we gain speed, but... We don't lose the quality of the show and the performance. And as you can tell, if, if you follow the show, we every every show, every scene now is like a Friday cliffhanger. There, there's no such thing anymore. Every scene is no, you're, you're absolutely some activity. Right. The, the action is much quicker and hopefully more, you know, compelling, and a lot more stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Well, it's definitely, it's something that we also got to see with Frank with One Life to Live. But our discussion, Robin, about the whole psychology aspect has apparently inspired some callers. We have David from Ohio who has a question for you. David, welcome to Subcentral Live. Hey, David. I'm not hearing him, Dan. Neither am I. Glad you're on the show today. I'm a big fan. Oh, there you are. Hi. 
Hi. Hey. Uh, hi, Dan. Thanks for having me on. And uh, hi, Robin. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. I uh, discovered you on GH and then followed you over um, to uh, all my children. And I've seen clips of you as Gina on um, Santa Barbara. Would have loved to have seen you as Hope too, but I didn't 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 know you back then. But so it's great to talk to you. Um, you're a fabulous actress. Thank you so and, much. No, no problem. And I'm uh, moving on quickly to my uh, question. Uh, I guess my first question would be, um, how did you approach the role of Heather Weber? Did you approach her as being an evil person that was maybe hiding behind the mental illness after the LSD, or was she just um, basically mentally ill all along? So was Heather crazy, or was she crazy like a fox? And how did you approach the whole scene with the blood, with writing um, Anne's name um, in Diana Taylor's blood? How did you approach that really creepy gothic scene? It it was it was pretty creepy for everybody. And initially, I'm going to kind of circle around your question. I thought after playing Hope Bauer, which you say you're not familiar with, but Hope was a very sweet, innocent, you know, ingenue, as, as, as I was playing her, you know, at 19, and um, she wasn't capable of much evil, and I'd never really delved into that. So, for one thing, I thought that Gloria Monty, who was the executive producer from General Hospital, would never hire me, because that was my only experience in the medium of daytime drama. But once... They gave me the material. It was just so wild. I ran with it. And I remember the girl who played Anne. I, I wrote Anne's name in blood. So it would be considered that Diana Taylor was incriminating Anne. And Anne would be blamed for the murder because she was involved with my then husband, Jeff Weber. And I remember Anne, the girl, the actress that played her, Susan Pratt, being actually verbally jealous. She's saying, you get to do all the fun stuff. It's just not fair. <laughs> uh, so there is an attraction from an acting standpoint of doing the daringest, darndest, most conniving <laughs> evil things that is enjoyable in that it's, it's, it's so extreme from an acting, acting standpoint and and pulling it off. <laughs> That's what we try to do anyway. <laughs> Thanks for your call, David. It's not just the actors, though, Robin. I have to tell you, the, the fans love watching these crazy, over-the-top characters as well sometimes because it's, hopefully, it's so unlike anything that we have to deal with in our regular lives. Right. It's definitely an extreme sport. <laughs> That's, how I, That's how I call it now. It's... it's <laughs> It's a, it's dangerous and daring. I could definitely see that. One of those extreme sports, I suppose, was something that allowed you to join the cast of All My Children. It's when Janet Green had some experimental jailhouse plastic surgery and she was allowed to sort of roam free again into the world as Jane Cox. So let's talk a little bit briefly about All My Children because we've got some fans on the line who want to talk about that. Okay. There was There was some great stuff with Janet in terms of there was... Very dark drama, but there were also some some funny moments. Is it better, do you think, for soap fans and for soap viewers to be able to see the highs and the lows of a character? Um, uh, I would think any actor who's interested in what they do uh, likes to play a range. And getting a chance to do a, a wide range and interact with a large number of other actors is always you know more interesting than doing something one note, and where that really came into play was Santa Barbara and working opposite Justin Dees. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I realize you've got some, some fans out there that are all my children fans, but we went uh, really crazy and very comedic on Santa Barbara. That was probably the wildest and the funniest part that I think I've ever played, but I really got a chance to uh, cover a lot of the canvas on all my children. It was uh, a nice to have such a, a, a wide range of experiences and work with so many people. Well, for some reason, Ohio seems to be the hot spot for our callers. We have Patrick from Ohio who would like to say hello. Patrick, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thank you. 
Hey, Patrick. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm doing good. Oh, it's so good to talk to you. Um, Eighteen years ago, you took over as Janet, mm-hmm. and it won me over immediately. I'd never seen your work before, and I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed it. it oh. The whole thing was just awesome. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, in some ways, I'm kind of the the queen of the makeover in terms of I've replaced people more often than I've originated characters. But that was also one of the fun things, Dan, about playing the madam. Because <laughs> uh, I've never done that before, and she, she was my own. I can do kind of, you know, have my way with her, so, so to speak. But uh, I think what you have to do when you are replacing somebody is exactly that. Turn it into your own thing. Take it over. Put your print on it and own it. I remember one day on Santa Barbara, I was a recast and replaced it another replaced another actress. And the producer came out and she said to me, "Hey, you know, be more Gina." And I went, "You know what? That's not why you hired me. You hired me to make Gina me mine. You know what I'm saying." My mm-hmm. interpretation of her. So that's not really what you want. You want, you want what Robin Matson makes of Gina. That's why I'm here. <laughs> if if that answered your question, uh, is there I anything? Think Pat, I want to thank Patrick for that call. We, you know, you mentioned uh, sort of putting yourself into it and, and being hired, of course, to to do you in Put the your role. Put on it, yeah. There are there are so many people who are on the line now who basically are glad to be able to say that you're back. So let's take one of them now. We have we're moving to a new state. We've got New York. We've got Kimberly from New York. Welcome to Soap Central Live. Hey Kimberly. Hi Robin. It's good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm good. I absolutely love seeing you back on General Hospital. I'm so glad I'm- you're enjoying the show because we are having. A rockin' time down there, and uh, I, it's, it's become a, a bigger and a more uh, evolved character and more widespread than initially I had anticipated. So I get yeah, to it, play with a I, lot, of, lot of different characters on, in Fort Charles. I can't wait to see what Heather does now. I mean, it should be interesting. I, I'm surprised by the amount of what Heather does. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, she's kind of got her fingers in everybody's, you know, story and lives, and it's. Uh, um, I did want to ask. Yeah, it is wild. I did want to ask you quickly. How do you prepare for that? Because when you came right in that door, I mean, you totally looked the part. You totally looked scary. I, well, it's nice that I had <laughs> played the role twice before, uh, so I was coming back to something, and I did actually call them, and I said, you know. Kind of what do, what do you have in mind? Because I didn't want it to be something that wasn't consistent and true to who I knew Heather to be. And they said, "Well, we really don't, you know, want to talk about story very much." I said, "But okay, give me a clue. What kind of direction is she going to take? I'm not, I mean, it's not going to be something silly or foolish. Uh, that's 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 going to be." You know, not compelling. And they went, oh, no. <laughs> Heather is back to her old ways, only no one knows if she is or she isn't. She's out of the mental institution, but is she still crazy? And how crazy is she? And how far will she go? That that was enough for me to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough for me to say yes, too. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Kimberly, for your call. Uh, I'm looking on Twitter, Rob, and we have a, a lot of folks that, that sort of perked up questions for them, too. They're wondering, how did the latest return to General Hospital happen, and were you ever expecting to get a call from them? I had heard, of course, that uh, some people were being brought back, that the new head writer was interested in restoring some of the fan favorites. Uh, so I wasn't completely taken by surprise, but um, it's been fun to see 
how they have taken the ball and really run with it. So it's it's become a, a larger run than I had initially anticipated. It, it's not I'm not just around for a couple of shows. So it's gotten really interesting, and I'm excited about being there and being back and being involved. And you know, just getting back in the same room with Tony Gary has been, oh, didn't mean to give that away. <laughs> but Heather has always had an obsession, you know, with Luke. So, as I say, it goes in a lot of different directions, and I'm glad that it's turned out to be uh, a more meaningful um, run. You know what I'm saying? They're not just it's... bringing the character back for a flash in it's... the pan sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun with a lot of sort of tentacles reaching out there into everybody's lives. So that's a great way to to keep people interested. You're, if you're involved in all kinds of different things, everybody's going to get to see you. Yeah, I know. I know. I know a lot of stuff. You know, I have a lot of secrets. I have a lot of inside <laughs> dirt on everybody. I know where the bodies are buried. Oh, so no. Not I've good. got a lot of information to uh, hold over people's... Hello? Hello? That'll be, no, we're here. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, yeah, as I said, I've got, I, I know a lot of things about a lot of folks, so, <laughs> so you've got a lot to worry about. And there's a lot to know with these folks in Port Charles. My goodness, there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, I mean, 49 years of history, there's a lot of, lot of uh, secrets to be told. Yes, there are. So there's a lot of surprises. I mean, things... Are coming well, out that uh, one would never expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we're talking about surprises, one of the things that I guess it shouldn't be a surprise to folks who listen to the show, we always somehow circle back to talking about food. And, of course, folks know that cooking is a passion of yours. So we have to talk a little bit about food. What would you say, because a lot of people are getting ready for Easter dinners and Passover seders, what's your favorite thing to cook? I don't have one. I tell you what I like is to delve into something new and exciting and not get into a rut, which I think so many people, uh, home, home cooks do. Well, and even in a restaurant, it's, I'm sure that chef gets tired of making the same old dish, and that's why there's this trend towards food that is more seasonable, that's mm-hmm. fresh, that's local. And that's what I like to do is kind of go into the farmer's market or I've been involved with community-sponsored agriculture, which means you give the farmer some money and he grows whatever he grows best and you get a part of whatever he's growing that week, every mm-hmm. week. And you just do something imaginative with it. And there's, of course, such a tremendous growing season here and so right. many wonderful fresh uh, you know fruits and vegetables at my fingertips i just i'm loving living in california <laughs> from the citrus on down the line we've got this huge avocado tree i just <laughs> said to my husband uh, i'm like go pick a bunch of avocados and we've got all this citrus and we just play around with it uh, so keeping it interesting i think is, is one of the challenges well, because uh, I, I, I know that we're, I'm watching and we're almost out of time for you, but I, one of the other things I want to ask is for a lot of people out there, they're still afraid to cook. They say they can't boil water. They're afraid of the kitchen. What do you say? What's your advice to folks who are cookophobic? Keep it simple and use, I mean, half the battle is start with the best quality ingredients you can. And it doesn't have to be hard. <laughs> keep it fresh and keep it simple. And baby steps. You know, don't go out and try to make something, you know, don't go make asabuco. You know, your first <laughs> time you try an Italian dish, do something real simple. Like, you know, slice some fresh, good quality mozzarella and some great vine-ripened tomatoes and some fresh basil and... There's a start, and isn't that something that we have in a restaurant all the time and we could make easily at home and it's fresh and simple? How do you mess that up? So I say, the, uh, and also use, start with a few, just a few ingredients. 
and don't do something that's complicated with a million ingredients. We have one other caller who'd like to speak to you before we have to go. We have Maureen on the line. Maureen, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hello. Thank hey, you. Hey, Maureen. Hi, Robin. It's so good to hear your voice, and I'm so glad that you're back in General Hospital. Oh, um, thank you're you. You're such a, an amazing actress, and you bring such an amazing dynamic to the show. And your character, Heather Weber, is beyond engaging and scary. And I cannot <laughs> wait to see what your character is going to do next. Yes, some people, they run, you know, into their dressing rooms and lock their doors when they see me walking down the hall at work. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see what I do next, too. <laughs> because one day is more wild than the previous one. So there's a lot of fun stuff coming up and... Some really creepy stuff, as you said. <laughs> oh, well, I don't, I don't know where we would ever run from you, Robin Matson. In fact, <laughs> people are wanting to run to you, and they're asking if there's ways to connect with you on the Internet, if it's a, an, either an official website or Facebook or Twitter, because a lot of folks sometimes don't know if, if Twitter accounts and stuff are real. So let's let you have a chance to set the record straight. Okay, I do have an official website. I don't have it in my hand. I... Um, in front of me, which I guess is my bad, uh, but it probably can't be too hard to find. And the accounts on, um, if that's what you call them, on, on Facebook and so forth, that's not me. They, and okay. I'm not on uh, Facebook, so that's uh, false falsification. <laughs> well, there is so much more to talk about, but unfortunately, I guess we're out of time. So I'd like to right now, Robin, extend the opportunity for you to come back again to chat with more fans and to chat with us about whatever you'd like if you have the at the time in the future. All right. I would love uh, to do that. Um, also, let me just give you this bit of information. The sure. Robin Matson Fan Club care of Janice Hank H E N C K at one zero zero one Seville Drive in Clarkston, Georgia is the fan club. Alright. And um, the official website is www.free F R E E Webs W-E-B-S, all one word, dot com, slash, Robin Matson slash, welcome, dot, H-T-M-L. Wonderful. We will make sure that everybody <laughs> sorry, it's out a bit there long, gets but... that. <laughs> no, that's fine. We'll make sure that everyone gets that so they can follow along, they can join your fan club, and keep in contact with you. Robin, thank you so much for taking time out to be with us today. It was great talking to you, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show, and I'd love to come back. Wonderful. And, of course, everybody out there, remember to catch Robin weekdays on General Hospital. It airs on ABC. Check your local listings for the time and channel in your area. We'll be back with more of Soap Central Live in just about two minutes. And everybody have a great Easter and Passover. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Voice America Variety Channel presents a program like no other for those in the field and interested in the field of security and training. On America's Front Lines of Crime and War with Victory Defense Consulting, hosted by J.J. Sutton. Here, listeners are learning about tactical skills and practices that support efficient, smarter, and more enduring skills. You will receive the most up-to-date information about the security and training industry with detailed discussions and select special guests each week. Tune in to On America's Front Lines of Crime and War, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hey, so fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. 
every day. SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. And we are sort of transitioning from our last segment to this segment, and we're going to continue talking about some of the things that still have soap fans talking many years after maybe some of the events have happened. Now, during her last appearance here on Soap Central Live in April 2011, Alina Adams revealed that she learned English by watching soaps. You know, we never learned if the first word she learned was slut from watching Guiding Light, but we did (laughs) learn that she was channeling a lot of that appreciation and love of soaps into a new ebook, Soap. Opera 451, a time capsule of daytime drama's greatest moments. She's back here today to talk about the book, which is now available for a limited time at a very special price. And we're going to count down some of daytime's greatest moments. Alina, welcome back to Soap Central Live. I'm thrilled to be back, Dan. Thank you for having me. So was slut anywhere in the uh, <laughs> in the vocabulary? No, by the time the slut, the particular slut came around, I was actually speaking English rather fluently. But interestingly enough, one of my very first soap opera memories is when I was 10 years old, is your guest um, of the last half hour, Robin Matson and the Diana Taylor murder on General Hospital, where you have that shot of Diana laying face down, dead, and in her own blood is the name Anne written next to her as Heather framed... Um, Heather was trying to frame Anne for killing Diana. So talk about a moment that sticks with you 30 years later. Well, let me ask you then. We're talking about General Hospital just turning 49. The Bold and the Beautiful just turned 25. We're talking tens and tens of thousands of soap opera episodes. How do you whittle down all of those moments into one list of greatest moments? Well, it wasn't really me doing the whittling in this case. One of the most interesting things that I found about writing Soap Opera 451, a time capsule of daytime drama's greatest moments, is that I was able to crowdsource this book. This isn't my opinion. This is the opinion of the fans. This is the opinion of actors, of writers, of directors, of producers. I went to them and asked them, what do you think are some of Soap Opera's greatest moments? And then I took their answers, and once I had them, I got behind-the-scenes stories about them. I got links to where clips could be viewed. So this book was compiled by me, but it was really written by soap fans and professionals from all over the world. I got submissions from Russia. Hmm. Okay, so, it, you know, I know that soap fans have opinions. I'm sure that you've learned that as well. And I'd, I'd like to, at this point in time, give everybody the opportunity to call in and offer us some of your thoughts and your picks for the greatest moments in daytime. The phone number is 866-472-5788. Again, it's 866-472-5788. That is a toll-free number. You can also follow along on Twitter. It's at Soap Central Live. We look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Now, let me sort of, when we're talking about 
what soap fans gravitate towards or what really leaves a mark in their mind. What did you find in putting together Soap Opera 451 that what defines a memorable moment on soaps? I think it's reaching a climax on a story that everyone has been watching build for a very long time. It can't or rarely is a shocking moment and out of the blue development that came completely out of the blue. It's something that everyone has been waiting for to see what's going to happen when we finally get to this critical point. It's, it's an explosion in a way. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of all of the moments that I would consider memorable. Uh, let me pose it to you. Do you think the greatest moments have to be happy moments? Not, not at all. They can be all sorts of things. They can be moments that were happy. They can be, of course, you can have your weddings. Um, you can have, you know, fraternity reveals. As long as it's a fraternity reveal you're happy about on a soap. <laughs> but you can also, which can go either way at any time. Um, but it can also be tragic moments. It can be cathartic moments. It really, we run the gamut. And I have a section um, on comedic moments. I have a section on dramatic moments. Um, because people came up with so many different suggestions. And what was interesting is sometimes even the same moment can mean different things to different people. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, for instance, as we were talking about, to some people, a wedding might be a great celebration because it's their favorite couple. But for someone else, this is a very memorable moment, but it's because not their favorite couple is getting married, and in fact, the character they love is making a tragic mistake. Or it can be something, for instance, um, I don't know if you remember Days of Our Lives, the infamous wedding where uh, John marries Kristen thinking that she's Susan and her teeth yes. fly out. So yes. that's, that's a wedding that is more for the comedic aspect of it, not for the romance. <laughs> well, when we're talking about weddings, I would have to assume that the... Soap wedding, Luke and Laura's soap wedding, has to be somewhere among the greatest moments and most memorable moments in soap opera history. Absolutely. And actually, in the book, I have an interview with uh, Tom Racina, who was the head writer at the time, who talks about how that wedding came about. The fact that it actually happened much sooner than he wanted it to happen. He thought they could have this story running for another year. He thought wow. there was still a lot of angst to go through. But then Elizabeth Taylor called him personally and told him that he'd better get Luke and Laura married. And he flippantly said to her, well, I'll get them married if you come. And she said, okay. <laughs> now Tom is writing a wedding. And he also talks about that the moment, and I think fans will remember, that is sort of the most powerful visual from that wedding, I'll, I'll be vague, um, is actually something that he made up at the last minute, that it was something that literally was just added at the script at the last minute, and it's the moment that people remember from Luke and Laura's wedding, best of all. Well, before we get too much further into this, I want to give you an opportunity to let folks know how they can pick up their copy of Soap Opera 451. We're going to have this information, of course, on our Twitter account and on the Soap Central Live homepage, but let everybody know now if they want to go and, and not wait until the end of the show how they can get the book. Well, the book is an electronic book. It's not mm -hmm. just an electronic book. It's an enhanced ebook, which means that throughout the book, there are links that can take you not only to where the clips are available, but to the actors and the writers and the producers' personal web pages so you can be in touch with them to their Twitter pages. And as a result of that, because it is an electronic book, it is available only online through either Amazon.com or from barnesandnoble.com. You can find it under Soap Opera 451, a time capsule of daytime drama's greatest moments. And it usually retails for $9.99 as the cover price. But this week, because this is such an incredible Soap Opera week as anniversaries, last weekend we had the anniversaries of General Hospital and the Doctors. And then the day after that, we had the anniversaries of As the World Turns on the Edge of Night. So I thought a week like this needs to be uh, celebrated. And the book is actually available at 50% off for just four ninety nine through the end of this weekend on Amazon and on barnesandnoble.com. So, you know, this is an opportunity for folks out there who've maybe been wanting to dip their toe into the waters of electronic books. I know everyone out there remembers me telling my whole story, but I would never buy an electronic book. <laughs> I'd like to have paper in my hands. And I did, of course, jump in uh, uh, about a year or so ago. I mean, this is, it's not expensive. It's 
something that every soap fan can enjoy because you're, it's not just a book about General Hospital. You're talking about pretty much any soap that's ever been on the air. So this appeals to everybody. Right. We even have clips to things like A Brighter Day and uh, Silt, you know, and then, of course, the more recent Silt, Ryan's Hope and Loving and Sunset Beach. But even going further back, we really tried to be as all-encompassing as possible. And the most important thing to remember is you don't need a Kindle and you don't need a Nook in order to experience it. All you need is either the Kindle app or the Nook app, which are both free, and you can do this on your phone. You can do this on your desktop. You can do this on your laptop. You can do this on your iPad. The idea was not only to get as many fans as possible to contribute to this book, but to make it available to as many fans as possible. I think that that, that really is important. And again, of course, folks out there, you don't need to have Anything other than the stuff that you have in front of you now, you don't need, if you have a computer and you're online looking at the SoapCentral.com website or listening to this this program, you have everything that you need to be able to go and pick up the book. So there's no excuse. So now that we've gotten those sort of our, our wagging me, wagging my finger at people, telling them that they, they don't need to be afraid of the ebooks. I'm no longer. Let's talk about some of the moments because Twitter is going crazy and so is our Facebook page with people offering their thoughts on some of the most memorable moments, and one that seems to come in to almost every other response that I've gotten was BJ's heartbeat. Uh, when Tony was listening to BJ's heartbeat in Maxie's chest, that seems to be yeah. one of the most memorable moments. And for me, taking that out, it also seems to be one of the most ripped off moments, not just on <laughs> by other shows, but even primetime, they try to do that, you know, 20 years later as, ooh, look what we're doing, and sort of like General Hospital has done that a long time ago. Yes, that is absolutely the same with me and that I got so many responses to BJ's heart and we do have an entry on that because I personally think you can't have a Soap's Greatest Moments book and not have BJ's heart in it. It was just, I mean, it sounds horrible to say it was a heart-stopping moment because it seems like you're being trite, but I mean, that entire story from Felicia's primal uh, scream when mm -hmm. she realizes whose heart it is to... To me, actually, the scene that always kills me is when Felicia is telling Maxie about her heart and the little mm -hmm. girl, Robin Richards, saying, my new heart used to belong to BJ with that little crack in her voice. That's the mm -hmm. one that gets me. Well, now that um, you've got me thinking about that, there are a lot of moments that I consider to be memorable that really involve tragedies with children, whether it be um, the death of of. Brooke's daughter, Laura, on All My Children. Yes. or that's, uh, that's another one. We have an interview with Julia Barr speaking specifically about shooting the scene, how when she finds out when Tom comes to tell her. So that was definitely another one that fans were uh, crazy about. And even on The Young Loressa, it's more recent, but I remember uh, when Cassie died, they did a, it was no dialogue, it was just a very slow playing of the infamous uh, Nadia's theme, the Young and the Restless theme, and the camera just panned away, and it's, you know, I, I think that's probably the worst thing that anyone can imagine, is something happening to a child, and that really seems to, to tug at everyone, there was no dry eye for any of the scenes that we've just talked about. It's absolutely primal in that sense, that I think even people who aren't parents, they can sort of put themselves in that position and it's just going to rip you in half. If it's done well, if it's done well, as you pointed out yourself, when it's ripped off constantly, it becomes a bit trite. So it sort of needs to be reinvented every once in a while. You can't just go to that, what I call the dead baby well, and keep yeah. expecting it to keep giving. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that, not me. They could, they could tweet you with comments and that, but let's just, I want people to know that not all of the greatest moments in soap history are sad moments. I'm, I thought of a couple that, well, whether they were meant to be funny or not, but they ended up being more lighthearted for me. We have uh, Riva and the Slut of Springfield. I thought of uh, the Devil Possession on Days. I don't know if that was really funny. I still find it a chuckle a little bit. And then there's Erica and the Face Off with the Bear. To me, these are memorable yeah. moments, and they're funny. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's the other thing about moments, and I think soaps are particularly unique in that sense, is... It's not really a moment unless you know everything that came before it. For instance, if you didn't know the relationships between Bobby and Tony and Felicia and Frisco coming back and Mac being there, that moment wouldn't have met so much. So for a soap opera in particular, it's very difficult to pick a moment because it's really a 
story. It's what brought you to this place, not just the place itself. That makes me think of the difficulties in selecting scenes for any consideration, too, when actors have to pick one episode that's indicative of their work. And it's, you know, if you're on screen four days of the week out of five for 12 months of the year, it's really sort of hard to pick 22 minutes that shows everything that you've done. Absolutely. And what's interesting is you mentioned, of course, the slut of Springfield and Kim Zimmer did win the Emmy that year and everyone assumes she submitted slut of Springfield. But when I talked to Kim, she told me she didn't submit that episode because she said it was that one scene at the end of a long episode where all she did was stand around. So even though that was the year and that was what was used at the Emmys for the clip, that's not her Emmy winning episode specifically because, as we talked about in soaps, it's uh, very hard to just pluck something out of the middle. Well, it wasn't hard for Judith Light to pluck out a scene. Uh, I think one of the greatest moments in One Life to Live history is Karen Wallach's courtroom admission. Uh, we were lucky enough that when SoapNet did a marathon, when One Life to Live went off there, that that was one of the episodes that they, they rebroadcast. I mean, who doesn't remember the courtroom breakdown? Absolutely. That one is definitely in uh, Soap Opera 451 as well, because so many fans remember that. But that's actually another one where, yes, her performance was amazing. Yes, the story was amazing. But it was so rich to us because we knew what Karen was sacrificing to be on the stand. If you just tuned in that day, you could see that she was doing great work, but you wouldn't fully experience it as much. Um, when I interviewed Linda Dano, because one of the scenes that was mentioned was Felicia's intervention, which, again, isn't really a scene. It's a sequence of scenes over several episodes. But Linda Dana talked about Judith Light, and she talked about Kim Zimmer in those particular scenes and how powerful they were and how wonderful they are and how they can pull you in um, as a performer. I mean, those were her exact words where she were talking about how on daytime she thinks better than any place else, actors are so good at pulling you in and making you stop what you're doing and sitting and watching. And she mentioned those ladies in particular. Well, something, too, to remember for folks out there who maybe are critical of soaps. I don't necessarily know why they would be listening to this program, but there are some <laughs> folks who maybe vicariously listen and, and tune in. But soaps in their greatest moments are not necessarily what people would think of, of histrionics and over-the-top. A lot of the greatest moments are more subdued. They're more downplayed. I remember when Susan Lucci finally won her Emmy. It wasn't for any of the craziness. It was for a very restrained performance when Bianca uh, was talking about being anorexic. And mm -hmm. it was a very subdued performance. There wasn't a whole lot of, uh, of emotion showed. It was more of the restraint that really resonated. And that's finally when Susan Lucci won her Emmy. Yeah, and in the scene that we have in the book is we actually talk to Eden Regal about Bianca's coming out, and that is also a very low-key scene. I mean, Bianca and Erica, they don't rip their hair out and they don't chew the scenery. It's just her, you know, very slowly taking off her clothing and asking, begging her mother to look at her. It's a scene that could have been melodramatic and histrionic, but it was really very gentle. Well, last week, Lee Harrington was on, and we were talking about uh, the initial reaction that fans had when Bianca came out and how some fans were vehemently opposed to the storyline. Then we flash forward, uh, I'm not entirely sure, maybe eight or so years, and we have a similar storyline on As the World Turns, where we have Luke and Noah's love story, and even now in 2012, where we have Will on Days of Our Lives. Do you think that, do you think that the, any of the subsequent gay storylines, as, as some folks call them, on the soaps will have any as much impact as what the initial one did on All My Children? Well, you know, I've got to tell you, um, I mentioned three of these storylines in the book because of what fans wrote into me about. In uh, Soap Opera 451, I have Bianca coming out to Erica on All My Children. I do have Luke and Noah. And I also have many people wrote about Atalia on Guiding Light, on uh, <laughs> Natalia and Olivia. And I have to tell you, there was really just some heart-wrenching writing going on about people talking what these storylines meant to them. It ranged from people saying one woman wrote that she fell in love with a woman and it was Otalia that made her feel that that was okay, to people wow. saying that seeing these storylines um, made them realize that gay people were just normal people that they knew, their friends, their neighbors, their siblings, because these characters were people that they knew, their friends, their neighbors, their siblings. I mean, they had seen Bianca and Luke grow up. Um, so that the fact that there's three 
storylines in the book that were not at all the same except for the gay component shows to me how really powerful all of the stories were, each in their own way. Well, we're unfortunately we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you when I was listening to that, do you find do you think that people maybe underestimate the importance that soap operas have had over the years? Absolutely. Because I think it's impossible to overestimate the importance that soap operas have had over the years. We're talking about stories and characters that have been in their homes every day, five days a week for 10, 20, 30, 50 years. And here's the most interesting part. Because the story evolves daily, think of those people who said that they changed their opinion about gay people from watching the show. So here's what happened. Not only did the characters change, but the viewer changed. And the viewer changed right along with the character in real time, not in a two-hour movie, not in 22 episodes on a primetime season. They grew with them a little bit every day. How could you underestimate, I mean, overestimate the power of that? You know what I love about you most is your passion. You can so hear it, and people are commenting it uh, on Twitter and in emails. So, uh, Alina, I want to thank you for dropping by to discuss Soap Opera 451, a time capsule of daytime drama's greatest moments. And as I said, I will let everybody get the link for ordering information on Twitter and on Soap Central Live's homepage so they can pick it up while it's uh, at a great price. Thank you so much for having me. I always love talking to you. Everybody out there, if you'd like to hear some of Soap Central Live's greatest moments, there are a couple, believe it or not, you can head over to our official show page at soapcentral.com slash radio. You can browse through our past episodes. You can check out your favorite soap stars or topics. You can stream the episodes. You can download them. You can do pretty much anything technological with them. There's even information about how you can get an app to listen to Soap Central Live on your phone, your iPad, or other high-tech device. We're going to be back next week. It's Friday the 13th, so anything can happen. And we're going to have Nelson Bronco on. So you can be sure that it will be a very interesting show. So stay tuned, everybody, next week for the continuing saga of Soap Central Live. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.